You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Well, good morning. It's great to see you guys here at FC. We are in a series that we are calling Real Friends. And so if you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 3. It's where we're going to be at this morning. Um, you know, in our culture today, uh, as a church, we're we're, we're really kind of competing with the attention of the next generation, and we're competing even for the attention of adults in the room. And as we compete with the culture, it's, it's really daunting when you think about it. When you think about the level of production that the world has, that, that culture has, and, and, and what we as a church can kind of provide, like we can't really compete with, with the level of, of, of technology and the level of production that, that the world has. I mean, when you think about movies and entertainment, like, we can't compete with that. Um, when you think about, like, the, the latest movie, Toy Story, I don't know if you've seen this with your kids, but uh, we took our kids to see it. It's a cartoon, but I swear, it's an animated film, but I swear there is a scene where this cat is in it. Have you guys seen this cat? And it looks like it is a real stinking cat. Like it's hard to tell that it's animated. And, and you think about that and all the Avenger movies and all the other things that are coming out. And you're like watching these things. And it's just, it's just mind-blowing. It looks so real. And, and you think about as a church, how can we compete with that level of, of, of production uh, to, to try to capture the imagination and the minds of young people and adults today? It's, it's really daunting. Um, as I was just kind of flipping through the channels this past week, I came across, it's called The Man of Steel. It was a, a movie that came out in 2013, and so it was on TV, and a uh, Superman movie. And so I'm just watching it, and I'm just kind of watching like three or four things at the same time. Yeah, I don't know if you guys do that, but I'm like watching four or five things at the same time. As soon as it's a commercial, I'm turning it. And so I'm flipping over to, you know, Man of Steel, and it's like I'm watching, it came out in 2013, and I'm like, man, these graphics are terrible. <laughs> Like, he's obviously not flying. That's not real, you know? And, and, and so just think, even in just a short amount of time, like how high our standard for production has actually uh, become today. And, and so when it comes to church life, it's, it's very intimidating. It's, it's really why many churches don't do the Christmas-like program anymore. Like, you, you remember back in the day when churches were all doing, like, this Christmas um, um, cantata or, like, play or whatever, and they would do the whole deal. And, and uh, like, today, if you do that, like, you just can't get away with it because our standard is so high. You go to those things, it's like, all right, the music is terrible, the people singing are terrible, let's just be honest, right, not to offend anybody. <laughs> but it, it's like, that's why they're kind of, like, fading away. And, and uh, I, was, I was talking to a friend not, not long ago, this is guy who's a pastor, and he had just gone to this church, and they had this huge Christmas-like ordeal every year. It's kind of a tradition that, you know, they spent a lot of money on it, and they brought in. It was kind of one of the things where they would bring in all, like, the real animals, because that's cool, right? And so, so they had the donkeys and the sheep and the whole thing, and they actually had a camel as well. And so this year, like, you know, for the manger scene, all the animals are coming down the aisles. Just imagine these aisles here, and all these animals are coming down, and everybody's oohing and on. And, and this camel, I don't know if you've ever seen a camel, like, in person, like at the zoo or something. These are massive creatures, right? So this massive camel is walking down the aisle, and it gets spooked, and it trips, something happens, and the camel falls into the crowd of people sitting there. Women are screaming, kids are crying, and this it's like camel's like flailing on people. It's on YouTube. You need to go home and, and Google it. <laughs> it 
is hysterical. Needless to say, after that, he was able to can the Christmas program. Like, he didn't have to do it anymore because they were getting sued. But <laughs> so it's like, as a church, we just can't compete with the level of, of, of programming. And so, as a church, if that's like our goal, if our goal is to try to program the church in such a way that, you know, we're trying to entertain people every week and, 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 and we're trying to entertain kids to this certain standard, we're never going to feel like we're going to win because the level and the standard that we have is just so high in our culture. And as a church, we just can't compete with that budget and with the talent. And so what do we do? Like, how do we engage this community with such a high level, high standard of, of, of what it takes to engage them, how do we actually engage them? Because we have this life-transforming message. We call it the gospel. Actually, it is the good news of the scripture. How do we engage their hearts and minds with this message? I think there is one thing that the church offers that our culture can never replace. I mean, they might be able to come close to this, but there is nothing in culture that exists that can compare to the kind of authentic community that the church has the potential to create. And so we're not trying to entertain anybody. We're not trying to like out-program this thing to try to, you know, reach you on a level that would entertain you or kind of, you know, awe you. Like, no, no, no. The, the very philosophy and foundation of our vision is to develop mature disciples of Christ in relational environments. And the reason why is because there is one thing that the world, that this culture could never, will never, can never replicate or outdo us and that is finding and experiencing an authentic community. And the church is the only place that can really, truly produce that, and where you can really, truly experience it. Now, culture tries uh, their best, and, and some of you will kind of relate to this. Uh, culture tries in sports. Um, like if you played sports and I played basketball, and so, you know, on a basketball team, you kind of begin to experience community. You've got, you know, a common leader. You meet every week. There's a common goal, but it fails on authentic community because it really kind of boils down to your uh, performance. And once your performance starts to wane or it's not as good, then, then the coach and the team's value in you is going to to minimize, it's going to decrease, and, and so that's not true authentic community. Uh, culture offers clubs. You've got Boy Scouts. You've got Girl Scouts. You've got, you know, fraternities and sororities in college, and so they try to mimic community, and on some levels, you begin to experience that, but again, it's all performance-based. How, how much are you involved in the club? How much do you put into it? And if you're not putting in enough, and if you're not doing enough for that club or, or for that you know, fraternity, then, then your value is decreased, and so that's not authentic community. You've got gangs, and, and you know, why in the world would people join a gang, some, some of you think? And, and the reason is because there's this sense of authentic community, right? But we all know it fails because you know, you, 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 it's, it's, it's this performance-based um, experience as well. It might, might feel like your brother has your back, but if you don't do 
what he or she is asking you to do at some point, you might get hurt, right? But we all just kind of want to be uh, in this place, kind of like Cheers, where everybody knows your name, right? And so we, we all want a name. We all want people to give us the nickname, right? And if you're in a gang, your names are just different, right? It's Chili P or Snoop Dogg. And it's like, you know, just come up with names. I asked my wife the other day. I was like, honey, if I was in a gang, what would be my nickname? And she looked at me and she said, honey, your nickname would be delicious, right? <laughs> it's delicious. No, that's a total lie. She did not say that. <clears throat> I wish, though. I wish. But so, you know, the, the culture offers a semblance of community, but it always fails, but it always comes back to performance. Now think about family. In a family unit, you might think, okay, you should be experiencing a, a, a real authentic community, but with the, 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 the fall, with the rise of divorce and kind of the fall of, of just the, 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 the nuclear family, you just, you just even don't see that in families today where there's this authentic community. It's Again, performance-based a lot of times. There's a lot of hurt, a lot of pain that comes through a family life. And so there are a few things that come close in culture, but nothing compares to the community that God talks about in the Scripture. So we could turn to Acts chapter 2, and, and we could look at how the church cared for each other, how they spent time every day together. And, and, and they, when they had a need, they provided those needs. They, they shared resources. They worshiped together. They shared the gospel in their community. They saw people come to know Christ. They prayed together. They lived life together. They lived life in community. And so there are a few things that we settle for in culture that try to replace uh, those relationships, but nothing compares to the experience that God wants you and I to experience through a gospel-centered community. And so I would say this. You could write this down. Life is best spent in the context of authentic gospel community. Now, I want to be specific here and say authentic gospel community, because that is at the heart of how God created you and wired you. We talked about it last week. If you missed it, dial it up online and you can watch it. But in, in that, we learned that we were created for this. And so if we're not experiencing this, then we're not experiencing some of the things that that God has created and wired us to experience. So what does this kind of community even look like? Well, it's made up of real friendships. It's made up of friendships that model the character and the life of Jesus Christ. And so what I want to talk about today is, is what a real friend does and how to find a real friend. Next week, we're going we're gonna to finish this series up, and we're going we're gonna to hear specifically about the power of small groups. But today, I want to talk about what, what is a real friend? What's a real friend do? And how do we find real friends? Because we learned last week through the, the poll that we did that many of us are experiencing loneliness, and uh, many of us need real friends. And so we want to learn what they do, and we want to learn how to get them. Let's start by kind of a reminder. Last week, we said that real friends help you grow closer to Jesus. So, so this is the definition that, I'm, that I'm, I'm, I'm basing this off of. Like, uh, you've got a lot of good friends that you, that you might, you know, talk about sports and weather. They may, you know, be, you know, close to you and encourage you, and some great things have happened in that relationship. But, but what we're talking about here are real friends, and, and a real friend is going to help you grow closer to Jesus. And so with that in mind, I want to share a quote with you from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He wrote a book 
entitled Life Together, and I encourage you to read that book. It's a great book, and he says this, Christian community means community through and in Jesus Christ. So that kind of clarifies it for us. Like, Christian community means that we are in community that is based in and through Jesus Christ. And so I take that to mean that Jesus is the central factor of that relationship. He's the foundation of that friendship. It means that as friends, that, that we are helping each other overcome sin together. We are helping each other grow closer to Jesus. We are increasing worship of Jesus because of this relationship. And so we're challenging each other. We're challenging each other to live selflessly and begin to exhibit some of the fruits of the Spirit in our life. And so with, again, that mentality, what a real friend does, uh, let's talk about what real friends do today. So if you're taking notes, let's write a few things down here. Real friends, number one, fight sin together, especially when there's tension. Real friends fight sin together, especially when there's tension. Here's what happens. When there's tension in some of our relationships, we tend to run from them. We tend to just kind of push them aside. We, we tend to neglect them and not want to be around people that cause any kind of tension. And so a real friend, I would say, fights sin. And anytime we're fighting sin, there's going to be that awkwardness. There's going to be maybe some disagreements. There's going to be some tension as you're fighting sin together. So a real friend is going to fight sin with us even when there is tension. Now, it's, there's an easy way to test some of your friendships today. One of the easiest ways to test your friendships is to think about the top one or two people that you're friends with and then just begin to ask yourself this question. How many times in the last month have you prayed with that person? How many times in the last two months have you prayed with that person together about something significant or just prayer in general together? Because the reality is some of us have not experienced that kind of prayer life with a friend. And, and so, so here, here's the bad news. The bad news is you're not quite there yet with that friendship. The good news is you can actually make that shift. You can make that change and you can say, hey, this week, let's start praying together. When we meet for coffee, when we meet for lunch, instead of just talking about sports and weather, let's start with prayer. Let's end with prayer. Let's make sure we're talking about the significant spiritual things in our life that we need each other for to help us grow closer to Jesus. So the good news is some of your relationships are close. Some of you have relationships through small groups. You've got relationships that, that, are, that are on your way to real friendships, but it's going to take you being a little bit more intentional and you being actively you know, seeking that out and taking that next step. Here's what the scripture says. I love this. James chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So, as a real friend, when we gather, what we're doing is we're obviously praying together. He says, pray for each other. You're going to experience healing. And some of you are like, I'm not sick. But we're not just talking about physical healing. We're talking about spiritual healing. We're talking about overcoming sin in our life. We are talking about uh, health issues. We are talking about those physical needs as well. But we, so many of us forget about the spiritual, emotional side of things in our relationships. And he says very clearly, confess your sins and it will bring healing. 
Now, this is going to bring some tension in the relationship, but a real friend will fight sin with you. A real friend would come and, and begin to confess, here or, or, or this is the sin that I'm dealing with right now. I'm very prideful. I'm really selfish. I'm dealing with this selfishness right now. Listen, confession is a huge part of friendships. And it's not just confessing sin, it's confessing that you need help. It's confessing that, man, I'm struggling in this area. Man, I, I am empty spiritually or I'm empty emotionally. I need help. I, I don't know if I'm going to you know, make it through this situation. And, and, and scripturally, when we confess our need, when we confess sin to a brother in Christ, what we begin to experience is healing. Um, you guys kind of know my story if you've been here the last uh, couple of years, year and a half. A lot of loss in our family. And uh, that, coupled with just a lot of other things that were happening, I just kind of got to a point to where um, emotionally I was just kind of empty. And I was just spent. And so I'm preaching, I'm leading, I mean, physically I'm good, I'm, 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 I'm in good spirits, but at the same time, just emotionally, I just kind of felt like the tank was running on empty. And uh, I just remember just holding that in and just going and grinding, because that's what guys do, we just keep going, we just keep grinding. But I knew that if I didn't, if I didn't tell somebody, I knew that if I didn't get it out, uh, if, if I didn't share that, that something bad would end up happening. Like I would, I would burn out, I would, you know, do something really stupid, I would hurt somebody, something bad was going to happen, you know, relationally or, or just I was just going to do something stupid because of this, because that's just what happens. When we're emotionally spent, when you're spiritually or physically spent, we just, we just give in to the temptation of sin so easily. And, and so finally one day with one of my really good friends, I just finally opened up and I just said, man, I am empty. Like I have nothing, I have nothing left to give. Like, I, this is going on, and this is going on, and this is going on, and man, I just, I just kind of laid it all out there and just kind of opened up, and, and uh, I don't know what happened, but there's just power in confession. Through that conversation, the Spirit of God just began to, just began to put pieces back together. Just, just, there was just such a release, and there was just such a, a powerful, like, now somebody knows. Now I'm not alone. And uh, that person, being a real friend to me, helped guide me to do some other things that, that helped build that. And I told some other people and had some other people in my life praying for me and, and, and moving me and helping me in that direction. And, and I, I'm, I'm so thankful for it today because I'm just different and uh, was able to move through that. But here's, here's my point. Like, a real friend is going to allow you to confess what's really going on. And, and you're going to be vulnerable enough to actually share your confession. Here's what's on your heart. Here's what's going on in your life. And then the scripture says you're going to begin to experience healing. That takes a level of trust. And that takes a level of vulnerability. That's why we're, we're, we're saying we, we want to develop real friendships where we are safe in that environment to be able to experience that. Here's a, another awesome passage. This is the Hebrews 3 passage I wanted you to look at. Let's start in verse 12 if you've got your Bibles. He says this, take care. In other words, whoo, listen up, lean in. I got something really good right here. Take care. Make sure you listen to this. He says, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. I don't want that. I don't want an evil, unbelieving heart, right? Leading you to fall away from the living God. Whew. But exhort one another every day, 
as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ. So he says, brothers, I don't want any of you to have an unbelieving heart. Right? Some of you are like, man, I believe. But what tends to happen as we allow sin to fill our life and our heart is we become hardened. We become hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. You don't just become, you know, a mass, you know, adulterer overnight. It's a slow fade. You don't just, you know, fall into heavy sin in your life overnight. It's a slow fade. It's, it's, it's beginning to, you know, it starts by believing lies, and it starts by um, a, a little look and a, and a little conversation, and, and it starts with a little conversation, right? And then that grows into, now I don't believe this, and now I don't care about this, and why? Because our heart becomes hardened the more we experience that sin. When you first watched it, it was like, oh my gosh, and then after a few times, you just didn't even see it anymore. Right? Didn't, didn't bother you as much. Why? Because we become hardened to those things. And so how do you protect your heart from not believing the word of Jesus? How do you avoid f- uh, falling away from living in obedience to God? And how do we avoid believing the lies from the enemy? How do we overcome strongholds? Well, he says, take care. You need a brother. Men, you need a brother in Christ. Ladies, you need a sister in Christ, who will be there that will exhort you every day. Exhort just simply means to encourage. The Greek word actually means to come alongside of someone and help them. So every single day, you need someone to come alongside of you and to encourage you, encourage obedience in your life. Now, now let's look around the room for a minute. A lot of people in the room. Look, look to your left all the way down the aisle, right? See some of these people? Look to your right, right? Actually, we're looking at the back of each other's heads when we do that. Just let's organically look around the room. <laughs> look behind you and see all of these people. Like there are a lot of people in the room today, and we gather here because we're saying that together we all love and want to worship Jesus. We have resources in this room that we're not tapping into. You have real opportunities to make real friendships in this room that would last a lifetime and that would help you fight sin and that would, in fact, encourage you every single day. Today, more so than ever, we have the opportunity to encourage each other every day with text messages and social media, with cell phones. More than ever, we could be encouraging each other. But instead, we post meaningless, stupid things every day instead of meaningful, encouraging things every day. Right? And so it's just a matter of using our time differently to help those around us and, 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 and to encourage those in our life and point them to Jesus, right? See, the foolishness of sin tells us that, you know what, we don't need any help. The foolishness of sin just says, you're good, you don't need anybody, just keep grinding, bro, you're going to be fine. You'll figure it out on your own. But that's not how God wired you. And that's not what the scriptures are calling us to do. The scriptures are commanding us here to take care and to prevent an unbelieving heart that leads us away from the gospel and leads us away from where God wants us to be. The scripture is now calling us to be aware that our sin might be hardened. And so find a brother, 
experience that real friendship and encourage each other every day because we share in Christ. Like this is the unity that he's calling us to experience. And so he's calling us to encourage each other. Now, what are we encouraging? What does that even look like? And and so I I wrote a few things down today I wanted to share with you because I think this is huge. Like what, what does encouraging a brother actually look like? Well, we fight sin by encouraging obedience. You fight sin by encouraging obedience. It's not just, go get them, have a good day, you know, love you in the name of Jesus. No, you want to encourage obedience. You know where a real friend is struggling. He may be treating his wife like crap, or he may be ignoring his wife. And so the encourage to obedience is to, you know, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Hey, love your wife today. Do something special for her today. Say one encouraging thing to her today. Look at your wife today. Whatever, you know, wherever that guy's at. Like encourage him to walk in obedience, right? So here's what the scripture says. This is a very popular passage. Proverbs 27. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. You know this, right? You've heard this. Why? Because real friendships sharpen each other. A real gospel-centered Real friend is going to sharpen you. Um, I have this in the backyard. We have, you know, a few, uh, what's called a crepe myrtle. It's kind of like a, a, a tree kind of, but it's also kind of like a bush, you know, big thing. And then it's got flowers. It's really pretty. And, and so um, it has on the bottom of it, though, it always kind of grows every year uh, what they call saplings, you know. And so the saplings are those little branches that grow on the bottom of the tree trunk that kind of steal the energy and steal like the nutrients that the main roots and the main limbs need to be healthy and to grow healthy. And so, you know, they tell us to cut the saplings off. And so I was out there the other day and I have this little hatchet. It's like a manly little hatchet kind of deal that I go camping with. And, uh, and so, cause I know I could use like the little shears and scissors, but no, I've got the hatchet. So I go out and, and I start to uh, try to do this, but the, the blade is like so dull. I mean, I've camped with it for so long, and there were chips in it, and, and so I'm, I'm trying to swing really hard, and, and then I'm, try, I'm starting to mess up the tree uh, because of, uh, of what I'm trying to do. And so I thought, well, I just need to go sharpen the blade. And so I go inside, and I've got this, it's just a file, you know, it's kind of, it's almost like a nail file, ladies, but it's made out of metal, and it's really big. And so um, I, I go into the garage, and I hook up the deal. And so I start taking this metal iron file, and, and, and I'm filing down on the blade, and so as I'm doing that on both sides, like I'm, I'm working out all the nicks, all the gaps, all the chunks, and as I'm shaving back this iron, as I'm shaving this metal off with this file, the blade is becoming more and more sharp, right? And so uh, after I do that for a, a short time, now I go back out into the yard, and now I'm ding, 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 ding. you know, I'm cutting through them really easy, right? Clearing, clean, clearing out the trees so that it can be healthy again. And I started thinking about, man, you know what the reality is for some of you? Some of you guys need to hear this. There are some some things in your life that are sucking the life out of you. It's a a friendship that's sucking and draining the life out of you. It is not a life-giving relationship. And uh, maybe it's a sin that is in your life. It is is killing you. It is sucking the life out of you. Because you're engaged in that that act or that sin, whatever it is, it's, it's sucking the energy. It's sucking the spiritual health out of your life. And, and you know what you need? You, you, you need to take a blade and you need to begin to cut out some of those saplings in your life. 
You've got to cut out some of those things that are, that are sucking the life out of you, but you need a real friend in your life to help sharpen the edge. And that's what real friends do. They come alongside of you and they sharpen the edge. So now when you deal with situations, because of that friend they've invested in you, now you know how to cut out the relationships in your life that are not life-giving and that are harmful. Now you know how to cut out the sin in your life. Now, now you know how to emotionally like, handle situations, whereas before you couldn't handle them and you were freaking out. Now this friend has come alongside of you and encouraged you and, and helped you to walk in obedience and you're pooch, ding, ding, ding. You're able to get rid of those things in your life. And see, some of you gotta step into that today. You gotta fight sin and, and encourage obedience. Secondly, I would say we wanna fight sin and we wanna encourage truth. You fight sin by encouraging truth. When I'm encouraging truth, I'm, I'm naturally uh, helping my friends, I'm helping those relationships in my life experience God's truth and, and not only know it, but walk in that obedience. Here's, here's what Proverbs 26 verse six says. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Let that sink in for a minute. Faithful are the wounds of a friend because when a real friend says, Trent, you're emotionally bankrupt because you seem to be like relying upon yourself and your own power to handle all of these situations that God did not give you responsibility for. And brother, if you don't release that and let God be God, it's gonna kill you. Ow, I'm not trying to be God, am I? I'm not trying to take owner, am I? Faithful are the wounds of a friend. And when you have a real friend, he can come into your life and he can say, dude, this is, this is hurting you. I watched it. I'm seeing it. And it might hurt in the beginning, but because he's a real friend, they're, they're faithful wounds. See, we have all have enemies, and, and our enemies, what do they do? Profuse or many. Many are the kisses of an enemy. In other words, your enemies will puff you up, man. You're awesome. You're looking good. You're doing awesome. This is awesome. This is awesome. This is awesome. But they don't really care about you. They're not going to be there for you when times get hard, right? And so the scripture calls us to lean into this idea of, of embracing a faithful friend who might share something and cause a little tension, but it would bring healing. We were in a creative meeting this past week. We're talking about a series we're doing uh, coming up in November. I'm super excited about it. It's called Missing Peace. And so we're going to talk about depression and anxiety, how to overcome that. We all need that as we go into the holidays. And so anyway... We were talking about depression, and one person was like, you know, I really feel like I went through a season where I was, like, really depressed. And uh, as, as we were talking about it, I said, what is the one thing that, that, like, turned things for you? What's the one thing that just helped click and, and get you out of that? And, and uh, this person said, I had a friend. It was, it, it was a friend that stepped into my life. And help me to begin to see things that I, I wasn't seeing. And help me to, to focus on uh, other people where I was, I was so internally focused. And so this friend decided to care for me and walk with me and, 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 and encourage me through this. You see, uh, the first thing we do is we, we run to the clinic to, you know, get, get medication. And maybe that's, you know, I, I don't know where all that falls in, to be honest with you. Um, but I do know this, no matter, no matter if you need medication or not, if you're experiencing depression, the one thing you, you really truly need is a real friend. 
And so Christ would call you to pursue that and, and pursue you to, to, to and, and encourage you to experience that in your life. So we fight sin even through those awkward moments, encourage obedience, encourage truth. We also want to fight sin by encouraging repentance. Like we want to, we want to turn from sin, right? Because sin has a way of deceiving us and thinking that we don't need anybody. Sin has a way of making us feel like, hey, you can, you can do whatever you want to do. Sometimes sin deceives us in such a way that we can think that we're actually doing something that God wants us to do, even though it's sinful. Think Pharisees killing Jesus. They killed Jesus thinking they were doing something for God. That's how deceptive sin can be. We'd much rather have friends that just, you know, pepper us with kisses and how amazing we are. But God would call us to a deeper level of, of friendship and love. We fight sin by encouraging joy. So how do we fight against sin? It's not just, you're sinning, that's a mistake. Found one, found one right there. That's not, that's not what it is. Like, we fight sin by encouraging obedience, right? We fight sin by encouraging joy. Now listen, um, I don't know about you, but when I experiencing something fun, I want my friends to experience it, right? Um, you gotta see this movie. It was awesome. You gotta check out this Netflix show. It was so good. Uh, there's this restaurant that I've fallen in love with uh, in Knoxville. It's the best Asian place I've ever had, and so I've been telling everybody in my life, like all the staff and all my friends, like, there's this place. It is amazing. You gotta go. This lady's from Malaysia. She's incredible. She has this authentic food, barely speaks English, but I love her to death, and we have conversations, and it's just amazing. I love it. Right? I want them to experience that. Why? Because anytime you experience something that brings you joy, you want your friends to experience it with you. Why? Because there's nothing like experiencing joy with your boys, with your friends. That's the ultimate expression. And so listen, of all the joys in life, Jesus is the greatest. Amen? Yes, he's the greatest. And you want your friends to experience that joy with you. There's nothing like being in a, in a worship environment, in a small group environment, where you are with your friends laughing and enjoying the gospel and enjoying each other's company, knowing that God is present and with you and, and, and God is growing you. You could be laughing in one minute and then crying the next and then laughing again. And it's like, God, there. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that just joins us together and unites us together. So real friends, encourage us. They, 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 they point us to Jesus, and as they do, they're going to encourage us to obey. They're going to encourage us to, to, to begin to fight sin together, even when it's a little awkward, even when it's a little tense. Here's the second point. Real friends are consistent, especially when they have to make sacrifices, especially when they have to make sacrifices. And so when you think about consistency in a relationship, it's key because these friendships don't just, you know, uh, uh, they're not just created overnight. It takes a long time. It takes week in, week out being intentional and living in this community, sacrificing time and energy. You have to sacrifice your comfort zone. You have to sacrifice, you know, being vulnerable. You have to sacrifice even showing up in a small group. You got to sacrifice other activities in your life. 
And so as we think about all of these sacrifices that we have to make, we have to remember that, look, if we're not willing to sacrifice time and energy, if we're not willing to be intentional, if we're not willing to pursue these kinds of relationships, they will not happen. It's just that clear. It's just that simple. And so in your life, as you're thinking about um, just the real friends in your life, there's a quick story in Luke chapter 5, where Jesus um, is, is teaching in this house, and this, this group of friends decide to take their paralytic friend to go see Jesus, but it's so crowded when they get there, they can't get into the room. They can't see Jesus. And so instead of just giving up, they decide, okay, let's go on top of the roof, let's dig a hole, and let's lower our friend in front of Jesus so that he, so that he has to pay attention to Jesus. And what's interesting in Luke chapter 5 is what Jesus says. He says, when he saw their faith, their faith was the friend's faith. Not the man who's being lowered, but the friends that are lowering the man. They're saying, Jesus is saying, when I saw their faith, I said, man, your sins are forgiven. And immediately he rose up before them. He picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. Who are you picking up and taking to Jesus? Who are you sacrificing for? These friends showed up in his life, and they didn't just show up once. They had to make sacrifices. They had to carry this guy. We don't know how long, but any amount of time would have been a long time, wouldn't it? You've helped a friend move. You took one box inside. Like, dude, I'm tired. Couch started coming out of the U-Haul. You're like, oh, I got to get a phone real quick, you know. No, they had to make a sacrifice. Who are you sacrificing for? Who, who are you leaning into? Real friends are consistent. Right? Real friends are, are pursuing that. Here, here's the final one. Real friends share responsibility, especially when adversity hits, especially when adversity hits. You know, sometimes in life, you're going to be put into a position where you need help, and you never know when that opportunity is going to come. But when that adversity hits your life, you're going to look around and you're going to be like, where are my real friends at? Where are they at? But if you haven't done the diligent work of pursuing friendships on the front end, if you haven't put in the time and the energy and the sacrifice, then when adversity hits, you're going to be looking around. Nobody's going to be there. Right? And so when we think about sharing responsibility, it means that we are, when our real friends are going through a season of difficulty, we are there to step in and engage with what they're experiencing. I want to share a story today by video of a family in our church. Uh, this is the Irving family, and, and uh, their story is pretty incredible. I wanted you to see a portion of it today. We had been here for about two years from moving from Texas and we were plugged into our small group. We had also found out we were expecting our second child just weeks before sitting in the doctor's office. We had found some enlarged lymph nodes in Douglas's neck and we met with our oncologist and Douglas was diagnosed with cancer. I was diagnosed with stage four acute lymphoblastic lymphoma. They basically told me right then and there like, we don't have time for you to go home and think about this. We have to admit you right now and start treating you with chemo. So he would have one week of chemo. He would typically have three weeks off, and then he'd go back and have another week. And that went on for eight cycles. The week 
that I would be getting treated with chemo. Melinda and Cade, you know, they would be in the hospital pretty much every day, but I couldn't really have any contact with them that week or the following week because of the chemo, I was considered toxic. And Kate, he was three at the time and she was pregnant. It was tough not to be able to, to hug or kiss, you know, my, my wife, my kid. The chemo itself uh, took a toll on my body. I had numerous transfusions, uh, blood, platelets given. I was admitted to the ER three, three different occasions where I was basically near death. It was tough on her, I know, and it, it was tough on on me, you know, just trying to get 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 through those times. Our small group was played a huge part in supporting us during that time. Friends came to to mow our grass and to take care of the yard. You know, it was, it was about a seven or eight month period where I couldn't work. Our small group and a lot of um, people within the church they took care of my family, they supported us. They were there when I wasn't able to take care and do the things I needed to for my family. They they stepped in and it blew me away from the get-go. I mean, they were, you know, somebody paid my mortgage one month. I mean, it, it's just like, who does that? He had been through five rounds of chemo. The oncologist came in. He was getting routine PET scans to um, monitor that and they said it was cancer free. Going into a small group, you know, you expect a, a certain level of commitment to one another, but to kind of have that tested to the extent that ours was kind of put to the test, I mean, we didn't even know these people quite two years yet. And the devotion and the love and the care that they showed us, I mean, they might as well have been lifelong friends. and and family because that's how they treated us. So real friends take action when adversity hits someone's life. And so you just heard a portion of what they experienced. And so everybody always kind of thinks, man, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Take action, you know. What they experienced was a small group that stepped in and mowed the grass, helped them pay bills, helped them take care of the kids, right? This, these are the things that people need when they go through adversity, right? They don't need someone to say, I'll be praying for you. Well, that's, that's great and all. How about praying for me right now? How about mowing my grass? How about putting food on the table so we don't have to think about it tonight because, you know, we'll be at the hospital all day. You know, th these, are, these are things that we do. We don't just wait around um, and we don't just, here's the worst thing you could do is say a cliche, you know, when someone's going through adversity, just, just when in doubt, don't say a cliche, I'm going to help you here. When someone goes through an ad, uh, any kind of season of adversity, just simply tell them, I love you and I want to help you. Can we go to lunch tomorrow? Can I mow your grass? Can, can we put food on the, on the table for you this week? And can we help you pay any bills? Because this is, this is what real friends do. They don't sit back and, and let other people, you know, figure it out. Somebody will do something. You know, real friends step into the gap, right? So this is what a real friend does in short today. And finally, 
where are these people at? <laughs> like, how do we find them? Right? That's the question. Where do we find these people that we're talking about who are so amazing? Because I want them. I know you want them. Here's the secret. If you want a real friend, you got to be a real friend. So if you want what we've been talking about today, the challenge and decision for you is to walk out of this place and say, you know what? I'm going to start being a real friend to someone. Someone in my small group, I'm going to invite to lunch because what do we do? We always wait for somebody to make the first move. I'm not going to wait for somebody to make the first move. I'm going to invite. I'm, I'm, I'm going to invite, and I'm going to, I'm going to, it may be four or five people that I'm going to, I'm going to go after in, in an intentional way to just like be a real friend to them, right? And as I become a real friend to four or five, six different people, then one day you'll turn around and you'll realize, oh my gosh, I got a real friend. I may, maybe have more than one, <laughs> The point is, if you're not willing to be one, you'll never have one. So, so the challenge for everybody is to get in a small group. And if you're already in a small group, who's the guy in that group? Ladies, who's the lady in that group that you are, you are intentionally diving in deeper into a relationship with? And so we talked about our small group connect next week. It's a week from Monday, right here at FC. If you're not in a group, take that step. Begin to pursue the relationships that God wants you to experience. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we praise you today. We all want a real friend, but sometimes we don't want to put in the effort to be a real friend. And today, God, we're just asking that you would move our hearts in such a way that we would challenge ourselves to take that step, to be a real friend. And so, Lord, as we worship you, as we close this day out, God, we just want to ask that your presence be felt, your presence be real, that, Lord, that we could have a moment and a, and a time with you of connection. Father, break down barriers in our life. Break down the, the strongholds in our life that are keeping us away from real friends. God, help us to take those steps. I pray that your presence be felt in a powerful way today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.